Welcome to the Central Christian Church Podcast. We pray this message helps you find and follow Jesus. If you would like to connect with us more, please visit us at centralsj.org. Uh, typically, we teach our way through different books of the Bible. Uh, we're currently teaching our way through the book of Romans. Uh, we've been in the book of Romans for the past eight weeks, and uh, we're taking a pause on that study to talk about uh, vision. What's God's vision for your life? What's God's plan for your life? And therefore, what's the vision of the church? And how do we sync our lives to God's vision, his plans uh, for us? So this is a vital, vital topic for for all of us. So by way of introduction, it was in the 2004 Athens Olympic Games that Matthew Edmonds was picked to win a gold medal in the rifle competition. Uh, Matthew was, was selected far above anyone else in the field to t- bring home gold for the United States. As he began his competition, he was uh, far out in the lead. All, uh, there's different shooting positions in this, this competition. There's kneeling, they, they lay down and shoot, um, different, different, different postures. Um, if you've ever shot a rifle, um, you know that it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. They make it look super easy in the cartoons and movies. Uh, but in real life, it's a little bit different. Uh, there's this thing, whenever you pull the trigger, the barrel tends to, to pull. It's called uh, a, a, a trigger pull, or that's not actually what it's called. Um, um, let me look at my notes. Let me just show Jerking the trigger. There it is. Uh, but these, these athletes, check this out. This is why it's such a, it is an Olympic game uh, because it's not easy. Your heartbeat can throw off your shot. And so these Olympic athletes, they train themselves to lower their heart rate and they actually squeeze the trigger in between heartbeats. Uh, and here's Matthew Edmonds. He's, he's, he's leading the field and it comes down to this final, final round uh, to where Matthew, the only thing Matthew has to do is hit the paper. Uh, hit anywhere on the target, not even necessarily the bullseye. If he hits anywhere on the paper, gold medal. And these guys, they've trained so much, they can pretty much do this in their sleep. And, and so Matthew, he raises the rifle, takes aim, bullseye. On the wrong target. Bronze for Matthew Edmonds. And here's a picture of his face uh, afterwards. He's like, I hit the bull. What is what's going on? And, uh, and here's Matthew. And, and honestly, if we're, we're candid with ourselves and, and with the world around us, a lot of people who love God, a lot of people who really want to live life for God, um, have somewhat of this expression. What's going on in my life? I, I thought Jesus promised me an abundant life. I thought, I thought I, I was promised to live life to the fullest, but like, this is how we feel on the inside. What, what's going on? And for some of us, it's simply that we're, our lives are aimed at the wrong target. And so whether you're new to Central or here just exploring, uh, exploring the claims of Jesus, man, you picked a great Sunday just to get an overview of what, what Christianity is all about and what the Bible says God planned for your life is. Or maybe you're a season ticket holder here at Central. And for all of us, in the midst of the, the busyness of life, in the midst of uh, running kids here and there, in the midst of meetings and work and calendars and to-dos, uh, we, we can drift off of the proper target and we can aim our life at the wrong target and end up looking like Matthew Edmonds does here. And so my hope, my heart, is just to recalibrate our life back to the main things, to what, what God has for our lives. Here's what Proverbs 29, 18 says. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Uh, the NIV says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. 
In other words, it's like we're, we're, our life is kind of like a boat at sea. Like we're just tossed here and there. Like there's no direction. But whenever you have vision for your life, you're not going to look to the right or the left. Like you have a clear vision of where you go, what you're trying to accomplish, and you are focused to get there. Uh, the message paraphrase puts it this way. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And how many of us have spent a portion of our life stumbling all over ourselves, right? Like we just stumbled over our own feet. But when they attend to what God reveals, they are most blessed. And that's our hope, just to get a clear vision for what God has revealed in his word, his plans for our life, and that we would tend to those things and that you'd be able to say, man, my life is blessed because I'm just following God's plan for my life. And so my hope by the end of this message is that you'd be able to say, if someone asks you, hey, what on earth are you here for? That you would have a very clear response to that question. And so we could, we could boil it all down. What, what does the Bible say? What on earth are you here for? If someone were to ask you that question, you'd just give them one sentence. Here's why I'm on earth. Here's what I'm on earth to do. Here's what I would suggest a response would be. We exist, I exist to help people find and follow Jesus. Let's say that out loud together. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. Now, to be clear, this wasn't something like the elders came up with on a Tuesday night. Like, hey, I think this is catchy. I think this is, this is what we're going to build our, our life upon. This is what we're going to build the church upon. No, that, this, this actually comes from Jesus himself. So Jesus, after he has lived his life on earth, lived a perfect life, died a brutal death, was crucified, was, was risen from the dead, like appeared to hundreds of people. He's about to ascend into heaven. He's meeting with his disciples for the very last time. So there's a lot of weight in his words here. Like he's, he's leaving the mission of the church in the hands of people like you and me who are very imperfect people in progress. And so he wants his, these words to land. And here's what he says. Here's the mission of the church. Here's the mission for followers of Jesus, Matthew 28, 18. Uh, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so like, in case we didn't realize his credentials, he states them for us. Like, I am the ultimate authority. All authority in heaven, all the authority on earth has been given to me. Therefore, I do have authority to, to, to give some direction into our life and into our future. Verse 19, therefore, in light of him having all authority, therefore go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Listen, when you and I, we live on mission for Jesus, here's the target we're aiming our life at. Our hope is to, to follow God and make disciples, like help people follow him and help them take next steps, like seeing them get baptized, and not just that, but then teaching them to obey everything that he's commanded. Because whenever we, we apply, when we attend to what God's revealed, that's when we flourish. That's when we come alive. But whenever we do whatever we want, we just trip over our own feet, then life becomes very clunky. And we look like that picture of Matthew Edmonds. Teaching them to obey everything he's commanded. And when we live life on mission, he's promised, I'm with you. I'm with you on that mission to the very end of the age. So whether you're visiting from another church today or whether you call Central Christian Church your home, for all of us as followers of Jesus, our mission in life could boil down to this one sentence, we exist to help people find and follow Jesus. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus because that's what Jesus has commissioned us to do. And so how do we do that? How do we actually help people find and follow Jesus? 
Uh, the longer I'm alive, the more I realize that disciples are handcrafted, not mass-produced. I, I wish there was a factory system where we could mass-produce disciples, but the disciple-making process is, is hand-to-hand, it's knee-to-knee, it's eyeball-to-eyeball, helping people go on this journey with Jesus to find him and then, then begin to follow him. So, so what we say around here at Central is that we exist to help people find and follow Jesus. And the way we do that is by living with a one friend focus, a one friend focus. Now on your seats, when you came in, uh, by the way, this message is going to get maybe painfully practical. So buckle up for that. Uh, but, but in the seat, you have one of these cards. This says uh, one friend, one friend focus. And so on the front side says, says my one friend on the back side, I'm praying for, and you fill in the blank to find and follow Jesus because God's placed you here to help people find and follow Jesus. That's not just the mission of the church. Here's the deal. The church isn't just a building. Uh, Church is people like you are the church. I'm the church. So when you live on mission, when I live on mission, then we as the church live on mission here in Silicon Valley. And here's the reality of our community that we live in. In our community right here, right now, there's 1.7 million people who have not found Jesus. There's 1.7 million people who are not following Jesus. And those, that number, every one of those numbers has a name. And their name is your neighbor. Their name is your coworker, that student that you sit in the class with. It's the people that you interact with on the ball team. It's that individual that you're going to sit in the meeting with this week. And a biblical worldview tells us that those individuals are headed to a Christless eternity, to like hell forever, like utter suffering, outer darkness, like not a pleasant place. And so that's the bad news. 1.7 million people. That's a lot of people. But here's the good news. Here's the good news that out of everyone who's ever lived in the history of humanity, out of everyone who's ever walked this globe, out of everyone who's alive here on earth, out of the 8 billion people on the globe right now, God chose you to live in Silicon Valley. He chose you to be their roommate. He chose you to be in their family. He chose you to be their coworker. He he chose you. He he could have chosen the Apostle Paul to live in Silicon Valley in 2022, but he chose you. He could have chosen Queen Esther, but he chose you. He could have chosen Mother Teresa, but he chose you. He could have chosen Billy Graham, but he chose you. And why did he choose you? Because God knew in his infinite wisdom and sovereignty that you are perfectly equipped to help that individual find him and go on a journey following him more than anybody else in the history of humanity. And that's why he chose you. That's why he chose you. And so, so for us, we exist to help people find and follow Jesus because that's what Jesus commissioned us to do. And how do we do that? We're, we're not going to f- focus on the 1.7 million people because we can't reach 1.7 million people unless we reach one. And so who's your one? Who's one person that you interact with on a weekly basis that you can say, I'm going to pray for them every day. I'm going to look for opportunities and conversations to tell about the goodness of God in my life. I'm going to look for opportunities to invite them to fall fest. I'm going to look for opportunities to, to inject Jesus into the conversation and tell them about what he's done for me. Who's one person that you can be praying for? God, rescue them. Whoever that is, I want to invite you at this time to write their name on this card. So on this card that's on your seat, just go ahead and take it out. We're going to take some time here in the service. Write their name on this card. Uh, for me, it's a, it's a, a parent 
on a ball team that I interact with on a weekly basis, and we've become buddies. He's actually going to be coaching uh, our son's basketball team while I'm, while I'm here with you guys. And so, so I'm praying for him, believing God's going to rescue him. And so who's one person, maybe a coworker, maybe a family member, but someone you interact with on a regular basis that you're going to be praying for. And you can put this on your mirror to remind you of your mission. You can put this on the dashboard of your car to remind you, here's what on earth I'm here for. So we exist to help people find and follow Jesus. How do we fulfill that mission? We live with a one friend focus. And, and here's, here's whenever your one friend shows up to church. Whenever your one friend begins to, to find God and goes on this journey with him, here's what I believe the Bible says uh, he has planned for their life. Matter of fact, uh, pretty much every church you go to will give you some variation of these four things. Uh, a little over three years ago, we did a, a strategic planning uh, with, the, with some of the elders, some of the, the staff, some, some, some leaders here in the church. And we wrestled with this question, what's a disciple? Like, what's, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Like, what does that even mean? And uh, Michelle Rock led a team to help paint some, some, some color into that. And so Richard, Chris, and Michelle, they, they spent a lot of time researching and digging into this question. What, what, on, what in the world's a disciple? What do disciples do? If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, what kind of life do we live? And here's, here's what we landed on. Here's what, what pretty much every church will give you some variation of these four things. Uh, here's what the purpose of the church is. To see, see lost people saved, save people pastored or trained, like, like save people find freedom from their past, get some care in their life. Uh, to see pastor people trained and then to see trained people mobilized. This is the Great Commission. This is what, what Jesus has, has commanded us to do. See, lost people saved, saved people pastored, pastored people trained, trained people mobilized. So, so that some, every church will give you some variation of those four things. Here's what we say at Central. So if you're taking notes, make sure you write this one down. So we exist. Here, here, whenever your one friend shows up, when your, your buddy starts to find and follow Jesus, here's what we believe the Bible says God has for them, that they can know God, that they can be a person that grows in freedom, that they can live life on purpose, show their purpose, they can be an individual that changes the world. Know God, grow in freedom, show your purpose, go change the world. This is the Great Commission, and this is what God has called us to. This is the target that we're aiming our lives at. And to the degree that we focus on this target, to the degree that we align our life to this target, I believe will be the degree that we thrive in life, that we experience the good life that Jesus has promised us. So we're gonna walk through these. Uh, we could look at examples of where do these four things come from. We could see this in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. We see it in the teachings of Jesus. We see this in the teachings of Paul. But, but for the sake of time, we're just gonna march through each one of these four things. So the first is this, you can know God. And for some of you here today, maybe you stumbled into church, maybe you're just here and you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. Here's what you would need to know. You can know God. Like the creator of the universe desires relationship with you. It's a beautiful thing. And it's not just like he forgives our sins, but like he restores our lives. You can know him, wants to talk to you, wants you to hear from him. It's a beautiful thing. No matter what your past has been, no matter what your present situation might look like, because of the radical grace of Jesus, you can know God and go on a journey with him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a, a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. A new creation, like, like you're, you're different than you've ever been. Jesus said this, he said, said, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Like unless you've had this radical, life-changing encounter with God, then, then, then you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. But when we know God, he changes us. 
It's like we're a new, new creation. The, the New Testament uses this word metamorpho. Uh, we, we get our English word metamorphosis from it. It's this, this process of where a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, like it's radical transformation. Like, like it's, a, it's a new creation. And now have you experienced God's transforming work in your life? It all starts with knowing him. And the good news is that more than you desire to know him, he desires to have relationship with you. And when you do, it changes everything. Here's what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus said his purpose was on earth in Luke 19, verse 10. He says, for the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost, to help lost things find their way back home. In Luke chapter 15, he tells us uh, the story of three things that were lost. There's a, a lost sheep, there's a lost coin, and a lost son. And in all three of those stories, the moral of the story is that, that the individual leaves found things to go find that which is lost. Now, I don't know if you've ever lost something. Uh, maybe you've lost your keys or, or maybe you've lost a phone. But how many of you, whenever you can't find your phone, you're like, I'm so thankful I got jeans. These jeans are awesome. I'm just grateful for jeans. Or, or you can't find your keys. You're like, well, at least I have a couch. I mean, I might have keys, but at least I have a couch. No, whenever you lose something, your mind is consumed with that which is lost. And Jesus was trying to communicate to us in Luke chapter 15 that the heart of the Father is for lost things. His mind is constantly consumed with it. If you've ever lost a kid someplace, you know what that feels like. The emotion of that moment. Nothing else matters in the world besides finding your lost son, your lost daughter. And that's the heart of God for lost things. And so therefore, it's the heart of the church to help people know God first and foremost. And then once you know God, he invites us on this journey, taking next steps. We read it in Matthew chapter uh, 28. But, but your next step, once you know God, your next step of obedience is to go public with your faith and get baptized. And by the way, there's been over 30 people here in the Central family that have gotten baptized just this year alone. How awesome is that? It's incredible. And for some of you, that is your best next step. And so really nothing else I say today is more important than you hearing that. Your best next step is to go public with your faith and get baptized. First Peter 3.21 says this. It says, in baptism, we show that we have been saved from death and doom by the resurrection of Jesus. We put our faith in him. He restores our life. He rescues us. And then we go public with our faith to display that. Not because our bodies are washed clean by the water, but because in being baptized, we are turning to God and asking him to cleanse our hearts from sin. And again, over 30 people have taken that step. And this is a central family. No one celebrates baptisms bigger than you. And so if your best next, next steps to get baptized, uh, we're going to have baptisms taking place here on November 6th. And so, so you got these cards in your, uh, your seat back. Uh, there's a box here, get baptized. That's your best next step. Just check that box. We'll follow up to you, get you all the details that you need to take that best next step and set your sights on knowing God and following after him. It is the best thing that we can do and help other people find and follow Jesus to help people know God. That's really why we do Fall Fest. Some people are like, why are you doing Fall Fest? Like, why all the candy? Well, here's the good news. We're not trying to compete with Disneyland. Uh, Disneyland.
cornered the market. Like they're pretty good at what they do. Uh, but we are trying to do is remove some of the barriers that would keep people from coming. So they might not come to hear a dude like me talk, but they might come to get their kids some candy, provide a bounce house, to provide a, a fun environment for them to come to. And so that's why we do things like Fall Fest on October 30th. Great opportunity to invite some friends in your circle of influence. So we're going to know God. That's our, we're going to set our sights on that. We're going to focus on that target. Second thing we're going to do is grow in freedom. Grow in freedom. God has freedom for you freedom from your past. You can really put to rest your yesterday so you can experience a new day. God desires that for you. Just as if your son or daughter, if you have kids, you see them struggling with something. Man, as parents, we, we want to help to the best we can. We see them trapped in something. We want to set them free. Your heavenly father even more so wants to help you take steps towards freedom. Here's what Galatians 5.1 says. It says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. For freedom, he set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. Here's the challenge. Once we, God sets us free, we experience a, a new life, new creation. Our challenge is not to drift back to the old creation, to, to live in the old life. That's why Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of, of your minds. It's this process, this journey. We talked about it last week. The theological term would be sanctification. Like a learning to align our life, to think like Jesus. So in any situation that we're in, if Jesus were in our shoes, we'd respond as he would. It's this process of, of growing in freedom. We believe here at Central that life change happens through a process of having people around us, having some right relationships. Here's what I'm guessing is true for you, because I know it's true for me. Uh, more than anything else, uh, some of my deepest wounds have come from other people. From, from other people's poor choices and my own dumb choices, I would add that. Uh, but more than anything else, God has used people to help me find healing for my deepest hurts, habits, and hangups. And I'm guessing the same is true for you, that God uses people. And so, so are you doing life with a community of people that can sharpen you along life's journey to help you find freedom? Some people that you can let the guard down, remove the mask in front of and say, man, this is who I really am. This is what I'm really struggling with. What do you think? They can pray for you and help you on that, that journey. Here's what James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. How, how do we experience healing? Well, it's in context of community, talking to each other, confessing our sins to each other, praying for one another so that we can find healing, we can grow in freedom. So that takes place in context of relationship. And there's a lot of talk today, you know, is, is the church, is it best found expression in homes? Are home church the thing? Or is large church the only thing? I think it's both. Here's what Paul says in Acts 20:20. 20, 20. He says, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly, large group gathering, and also house to house. So there's value in both. Well, there's value in this. There's something that God's presence moves in a way when we gather together as the church that it just doesn't on our own. In the same way, God's presence is, is available and works in our life in ways that we might not experience in a large group setting whenever we, we encounter him on our own. And so it's large group, it's small group, it's doing life with one another. And here's the cool thing. Currently, there's 137 people connected in community here at Central, 137 people in small groups. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's exciting. Thanks, Julie. I appreciate that. I'm glad you're excited for that too. Um, but if you're not connected in community, man, I just encourage you to take a step. Again, there's, these are in the seat backs every week for a reason. There's, all of us have a next step we can take. If you're not currently in a group, look for a group. If you tried a group, you're like, man, it wasn't a good fit, try another one. 
Now, there's a lot of options out there. And then also, maybe your best next step, whether you are in a group or looking for a group, is to join us on October 27th for a group night. 7 p.m. right here, we're going to have worship together and we're going to break off into small groups to have a discussion around, around God's word and, and unpack what God has for us. So if, if you're not connected, for sure, this is your best next step. If you are connected, man, maybe jump in and help some other people get connected there as well. So, so we're going to know God. That's the first step. We're going to grow in freedom. And then the second step, show your purpose. Like God's created you on purpose, with purpose, like he's got plans for your life. And it's our joy to display what that purpose is, to show our purpose. Uh, Romans 12, 6 says this. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. In other words, you have a gift that I don't have. And I might have a couple gifts that you don't have, but together we can build the body of Christ. We can strengthen each other. And so discovering our gifts is a big step in that direction. And then living out our gifts, displaying those gifts is another step. And so we realize that, that as pastors, as ministers, our, our job is to equip the saints for, for ministry. Like if, if the staff does all the ministry, then, then how's that benefit the church? But if we administer the ministry, then we can build each other up. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to do all the work. No. Verse 12, to, to equip God's people for works of service so that, in other words, if you do that, the body of Christ may be built up. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Discovering our purpose, showing our purpose. Uh, Paul, this guy who we've been studying, who wrote the book of Romans, he lived life, he knew his purpose, so much so that, that he made this declaration in, in Acts 20, 24. He says, therefore, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now, this isn't a statement of a man who's given up on life. This is a statement of a man who's discovered life. He discovered the purpose of life. He discovered what life's all about. And he's saying, even if it costs me my life, I must fulfill my purpose. I must show my purpose everywhere I go. It's a man laser focused on, on mission. So, so our, our mission, our purpose, our target that we're aiming our life at is to know God. We're going to grow in freedom. We're going to show our purpose. And as you live those three things out, here's what happens. A natural byproduct is we go. We go and change the world. Here's what uh, Jesus said in John 15, verse 8. It says, says, to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. I think that's fun. He says much fruit, like not just a little bit, but like a whole lot. And as you hear Jesus' teaching, he talks about this, how, how, how the Father's looking for an ROI on his investment in you. I was just in my, my, my clock, uh, reading uh, my personal time with the Lord this week, uh, reading the parable of, of the sowers. And so this, if you're familiar with the story, this guy sows seed and some fell on rocky soil, some fell on shallow soil, some fell on good soil. And my hope is that, that my heart's good soil. My, ho my hope's that, that your heart's good soil. But if the seed falls on good soil, it says that, that people who have God's seed on good soil, they produce a crop yielding 30, 60, 100 times as much as what was sown into it. In other words, there's much fruit from their life. And my prayer is, oh God, help me to be that. Help us to be that. Help your church to be that. Because when we do, not only do we thrive, but like people come alive around us. It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. 
How do we show ourselves to be his disciple? Well, we bear, we bear fruit. He says, I've told you these things that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Listen, when we set our sights, when we aim at the right target, that's where we come alive. That's where we experience joy. And not just a little bit, but joy that may be complete. Listen, you are made to make a difference in this world. You are made to live life, not just for temporary things that bring temporary pleasures, but to live life that brings value now and value for all of eternity. And if you're currently not deployed using your gifts and talents and abilities to build God's kingdom, then I would just invite you to take a step and, and join a serve team. Uh, we call them the dream team around here because really the people that serve, uh, there's 111 people right now at Central that serve in some capacity here on campus or in the community. How awesome is that? It's awesome. If you're one of those people, we want to say thanks because you're the one who, who makes God's dream come alive here at Central. And if you're not, well, man, we'd love to have you. Uh, in this next step card, this bottom portion lists out some of those possibilities to serve. There's also an, another box. So if you have an idea that maybe isn't listed here, we'd love to, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love for you to take, take a next step. Dream teamers, people who serve, man, they, they serve our city. They serve the hungry. There's uh, people that were out serving with Beautiful Day last week, making an impact in practical projects, redoing electrical at schools and, and just a variety of things. Uh, the dream teamers keep the church caffeinated by serving in the cafe. They invest in future generation and central kids area. They invest in students right now, telling kids and students that, man, God's got a purpose and a plan for your life that's bigger than maybe some of the information they're receiving at school or the world around them. They serve on the greeting teams and all opportunities to make a difference. I love this quote by Mother Teresa. She says, says small things done with great love will change the world. And so maybe you feel like, well, man, go change the world. Like, I'm not Superman. Like, I'm not Captain America. I, I don't know. Small things done with great love will change the world. Our kids, central kids living on mission, small things. Kristen invited them to bring some gently used clothing to camp. And they filled up an entire boat, fishing boat of clothes. And that went to, to Mayfair Kids Back to School Rally and over 80 kids went back to school with some, some new clothes thanks to, to kids doing small things with great love. It made a big difference. Yeah. And put yourself in that, those shoes. Like if you didn't have back to school clothes, but, but someone stepped into that gap and provided that, that would change your world. Certainly would change your worldview. Our, our students, our youth, they're on two different high school campuses uh, about to launch a third group at Branham High School. And the gospel has been shared with over 400 students in public space because they're doing small things with great love. It's making a big difference. Dream Teamers have provided housing. Through your generosity, we were able to partner with City Team and, and, and purchase an apartment at Grace Village. And Big Ben and Ronnie and, and Pat and, and Michael and the list goes on of people that invested the past 10 months gutting this apartment and, and re revitalizing it so that, that battered women in those moments of desperation with their kids will have a safe environment to go to. And how cool is that? It's making a difference. Painting or mudding a wall might seem like a small thing, but if you're the mom on the receiving end of that, that will change her world. You guys, 
Whether you know this or not, you've provided groceries for over 3,300 families this year. That's 137,458 meals to families here in San Jose. It's small things make a big difference. And Dream Teamers, you guys, through your generosity and service, have provided kids, over 500 kids, with Christmas gifts this past year alone. How cool is that? It's just small things. It makes a big difference. And I'm so grateful to be part of a generous church. I'm so grateful to be a part of a church that's willing to take small steps that when we lock arms together can make a big difference in our world. And that's not even scratching the surface on what global missionaries have done and other, other God's stories of how you, the Central Family, are making a tremendous impact, not only locally, but around the globe. And what's your story? Who, who was it for you that did something small that made all the difference in the world? I remember the first time I showed up to a place like this. I was 21 years old and I probably came smelling like an ashtray or, or a bong or something. I went, I went to this door and, uh, and this guy, Harold, was there. He's an old, old dude, uh, always wore cowboy boots, had his hair slicked back, a little mustache. And I went to the door and I wasn't sure how people were going to respond to a dude like me coming to a place like this. And man, I tell you what, he made me feel like I was the most important person at church that day. And he just spoke life into me. And here's what happened. Every time I went back to that church, I looked for Harold and I went to his door. And he made me feel like a million bucks. And what Harold did in that moment, a small thing, greeting at the door, changed my world. I remember when I started getting more involved and I started serving at, at, at vacation Bible school, the kids worker, man, I thought she was gonna give me wrath, but she gave me grace and it changed my world. I remember when I, I got plugged in, I took a step and said, all right, I'll join a group. And I got plugged in with a group of dudes. And I thought, man, they got things figured out. I'm a mess. And what I found was they're a mess too. But they just had a solution that I didn't have. And they were on this journey ahead of me finding healing. And we helped each other in the process. It was a small thing. We met every week. Three dudes, like four of us together. We'd go to the gym. We'd work out. We'd talk about Jesus. Small things. But man, it marked my life made a big difference. And so for those of you who are serving, I just want to say thanks. It might seem like just a cup of coffee, but small things done with great love will change the world. It might, it might seem like, well, I don't have a whole lot to give, but your generosity is changing the world. It might, it might seem, well, I'm just putting groceries in the back of a car, but for some kids, it's changing. It's changing the world. And that's what we're called to do. So I want to say thanks to those of you who are on the dream team. Thanks for aiming at the right target. Thanks for investing your life in something bigger than yourself because it's making a tremendous difference. And for all of us, I don't, I don't want anyone to have the face of Matthew saying, what? come to the end of your life, like on your deathbed, and you call a dude like me to come pray for you. And you're like, what? I wish I would have invested my life at a better target. I was so focused on temporary things. Another appointment, another to-do, another dollar, another this, another. No, 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 listen. You're created to know God. He created you to to grow in freedom. You can really put to rest your yesterday. He created you to show your purpose. And he created you to make a difference in this world and go change the world. Small things done with great love make all the difference. Imagine if we did that. Imagine if you set your sights this week, your number one priority, the first thing you put on your calendar, man, my goal this week is I just wanna know God. I just want to hear his voice. I just want to hear him talk to me. I just want to know what he has to say to me. And I just want to live it out. What if you made that the aim of your life this week? Imagine if all of us did that. 
Imagine if, if all of us set our sights to say, man, I'm going to discover my purpose and I'm going to grow in freedom. I got some stuff I need to work through. So I'm going to talk to some people that I can trust and say, would you pray for me so I can find healing in that? Would you imagine if all of us discovered our purpose and began showing our purpose? Would you imagine if all of us, everyone in this room did small things with great love? Maybe it would change Silicon Valley out of the most unlikely place for revival to birth. Why not you? Why not let it begin with you? Why not us? I think God desires that more than we do. He's just looking for a people who will set their sights and aim at the right target. Let's pray.